Welcome to the sermon podcast for Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Central South Carolina. We thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from the Word of God, and we pray that God will both bless you and speak to you as you listen and apply His Word to your life. There's a weight that must be lifted. There's a trophy Amen. Always, Lucas, turn that white down just a little bit, the white volume. I turn it a little bit up for Mark. His voice is a little softer than mine. I love listening to Mark sing, but his voice doesn't quite carry like mine does. And <clears throat> Turns it up a little bit for you, Mark. But uh, Also, you're not holding a microphone as close to your face as I've got mine when you're singing there at that guitar. You enjoy hearing Mark sing? I do. I just love that guitar. I love listening to Landon sing and play his guitar. I love listening to Ella when she plays and and playing whether it's keyboard or whether it's piano. Lucas is going to be playing a little bit. I love all of it, Um, but I enjoy that song. I hadn't heard that one in a while. I've I've heard him do that before, but it's been a little while, I think, since you sang that one, and so I enjoyed that. Open your Bibles again to Mark 14, or if you've already got it there. And then if you would, as we made it a practice or tradition here now in the last several months, year maybe, hold that Bible up over your head and say along with me, this is the word of God. I will read it, I will believe it, and I will obey it by the grace of God. This week we're going to begin... Now, again, we're in the series still of the Gospel of Mark as we've been going now for more than a year through this Gospel, verse by verse, section by section, and we're nearly through. We've got 16 chapters in Mark. We're near the end of chapter 14, and I'm, I'm still I'm becoming amazed how God is working this out. I don't know exactly how this is going to work out, but we're leading right up to the to the crucifixion and the rapture, and Easter is four Sundays away. Uh, So we'll see if that times out. Um, And if it does, it's not because of me. It's because God worked it out that way. And I had this thought in my mind, we're beginning a mini-series under the umbrella of the series of the Gospel of Mark uh, that I've entitled, Tested and Tried, as Jesus went through, or goes through, the trial, or mock trial, that leads to his crucifixion. The Gospel of Mark does not give every aspect of the trial, like some Gospels do. There's really, it was three phases, and you could say four on one hand, understand this, and I'll read this in just a minute. I'm going to read the section in just a minute, but I just want to get get the context here. He's been arrested now. He goes to trial before the religious leaders, the Jews. They That's the part we're going to read about now. I'm not going to get to all of it now, but that's the part we're going to begin. And then he's going to go from there to Pilate, and then from Pilate, Pilate sends him to Herod, and Herod sends him back to Pilate. Now, in the Gospel of Mark, we don't see the Herod part of it. We just see the religious leaders, then Pilate, the whole time. Pilate was the governor of of the, the, he was the instituted or the positioned 
Roman that was there over that region. And so we're going to do a whole thing. The whole trial there will be under this tested and tried. And so let's begin reading this again. But there is one verse today that I'm going to focus on. And I hope that you see this one verse because I'll explain that in just a moment. I could not get past it. I tried and tried and tried, not just to get past it, but just to prepare the rest of the message, and it just would not come as I wanted it to until really last night. And so I want to focus on just one verse. But let's begin reading again in verse 53. And they led Jesus away. This is the religious leaders now, the Romans, led them to the high priest. And with him were assembled all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes. And Peter followed him afar off, even into the palace of the high priest. And he sat with the servants and warmed himself at the fire. Now remember, we've already talked about Jesus telling him he was going to deny him three times. We've already skipped ahead to the verses, the end of the chapter, where he denies Jesus three times. We, we covered that already, but... Peter follows him from afar off, and that's setting the stage for that. Verse 55, the chief priests and all the council sought for witness against Jesus to put him to death and found none. For many bear false witness against him, but their witness agreed not together. Remember, in the court of law, you had to have two witnesses that agreed. They couldn't find two that agreed. And there arose certain and bear false witness against him, saying... We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and within three days I will build another without hands. But neither so did their witness agree together. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, saying, Answerest thou nothing? What is it which these witness against thee? But he held his peace, or he didn't say a word, and answered nothing. And again the high priest asked and said unto him, Art thou the Christ, the Messiah? the Son of the Blessed, or the Son of God. And Jesus said, I am, and ye shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of the power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest rent his clothes and saith, What need we any further witnesses? Ye have heard the blasphemy. What think ye? And they all condemned him to be guilty of death. And some began to spit on him and to cover his face and to buffet him and to say unto him, Prophesy, and the servants did strike him with the palms of their hands. Let's pray one more time. Father, pray. We pray that you would help us, that you would hear, that we would hear the message you have for us today, that you would convict our hearts today and lead us to the place that you would have us today and lead us into tomorrow and the days ahead. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I intended, as I said, I was working in my outline towards this trial, this mock trial that took place. And I couldn't quite seem to get it together. I don't know if you teachers, if you've ever been that way where you're trying out your lesson plan or you've got your lesson and how you're going to teach things or say things and it doesn't quite seem to fit the way you planned it together or planning anything for that matter. If you've ever planned something, it doesn't quite seem to be working or you're struggling to get your thoughts together or for the plans to come together. That was me this week. Struggled all week long. And I wondered, I prayed, God, why am I having such a hard time 
with this section. I understand it's going to take me longer than just this week, but God, just help me. And I'm telling you, and again, again, not in an audible voice, but God woke me up at least three times last night with this phrase. Verse 54, and Peter followed him afar off. My question that arose in my mind, how close are we following Jesus? How close are we following Jesus? Are we close? Are we afar off? Are we following him at all? He said, well, preacher, this is the church. We're Christians. I'm not asking if you go to church. I'm not asking if you're faithful to go to church. I'm not asking if you read your Bible. I'm not asking you if you pray. I'm not asking you if you're a Christian. I'm not talking about that. And that's part of it. You can't follow Jesus if you're not a Christian. You're not a believer. And I understand that Peter was told to flee. And I understand that this verse is here setting the stage in part also for where he would deny Christ. I understand that. But I couldn't get past the phrase, and he followed him afar off. How close are we following Jesus? Not are you saved, not do you go to church, not do you read your Bible. Are you following him? Step by step, day by day. Am I following him? close, not afar off. Peter was afar off. You say, well, he wasn't even supposed to be following him. Jesus told him to flee. Perhaps, but he disobeyed that, but he was following in the distance. Not so close that he got caught, not so close that he could be identified. We know that because he later, when they questioned him, he denied it. But I'm curious as to what's going to happen. Not so close that he could continue to try to defend him and cut somebody's head off like he tried to do with the servant of the high priest. Not so close that he could actually defend him, which wasn't what he was supposed to be doing, nor us. But the phrase kept coming to my mind. Peter followed him afar off. Now, what really matters is what God knows of how close we're following him. That's what really matters. And that's what we need to find out. God, am I, am I really following you as close as I think I am? Or God, do I want to be following you close? Or God, do I admit, I just go ahead and acknowledge, I'm not following you in everything. Where are you in your proximity to Jesus? We sing songs about precious Jesus hold my hand and day by day and step by step and every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. But are we really right there by his side following his lead? Are we really right there serving in him or following him or are we just in the distance? What 
what really matters is what God knows, and the Holy Spirit will help you to know that. And I think, number one, the Holy Spirit will help you to know that by the signs that will tell you how close you really are. And sign number one is, does the world hate you? Does the world hate us? We, we watch our news, and in some, we say, we say well, Christianity is being attacked. And in, in many ways, it is. And in many ways, it's not. I mean, people still talk about believing in God. People still get up. Even Again, I'm not judging here. I'm simply saying that popular people, mainstream people, get up and give glory to God, whether it's lip service or whether it's real. That's not for me to determine. But I mean, people do talk about God. In fact, I was watching... Um, I, if you've been, if you've heard me talk about this, and I don't talk about it a whole lot from the pulpit, but I've been watching uh, the Chosen series, and, and the fourth season's come out, and I've many of you I've encouraged watch it, watch the Chosen series. It's amazing. It's about the life of Jesus and his disciples. And yes, it's a TV show, and yes, not everything is. There's some extra biblical stuff, meaning they're filling in some storylines and some backstories that aren't in Scripture, but it's certainly plausible because we don't have everything that's there that happened. But they're literally quoting Scripture in the show. And in the show, there's this Jonathan Rumi who plays Jesus. And he was on that talk show um, that I don't ever watch, <laughs> The View. Y'all know what I'm talking about? All right. I'm not bad-mouthing anybody. I'm just simply saying it's a, it's a women's talk show. It's, it's a liberal talk show. Let's just be honest. But the reason I caught, I, I noticed that he went, did an interview on there, put, you know, about Chosen. And one of the hosts on that show was talking to him and tried to kind of trap him, I thought. But she said, they showed a scene from the chosen. And in the scene they chose, it was Jesus talking about how the religious leaders were doing nothing to help. The leadership was doing nothing to help. And it was about helping others. And she said, in that scene, we all saw you were portraying the Jesus that we love the one that helps the poor, and the one that... helps the diverse and the downtrodden. And I thought, wait a minute. Of course we love that Jesus, but what about the rest of Jesus? Everybody loves the Jesus that is for their agenda. Everybody loves the Jesus that is doing the things they want them to do. But what about the Jesus that doesn't do what you want them to do? It's one of the reasons why the, 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 the disciples themselves were so confused. It's one of the reasons why Judas himself betrayed Jesus, Jesus because he wasn't doing and being what Judas thought he was supposed to do and be. And so therefore, he betrayed him. 
And my point is this, that Jesus tells us the world, is if it hates me, it's going to hate you. And it does hate me, therefore it's going to hate you for my sake. Not because you're being jerks or you're being mean, but because you follow me and you teach the same things I'm teaching. And for my sake, the world is going to hate you and try to kill you. And so he's talking to the disciples. He's talking to all that truly are disciples and followers of Christ. The world will hate you. If you stand up and say, Jesus is the only way to heaven. Repentance of sin is required to have your sins forgiven. If you stand up and say, there's only one way, and not everybody's going, the world will hate you. Jesus' brother James reminds us over in the book of James, don't be surprised when all kinds of trials and tribulations and persecution come upon you. So therefore, the world will tell you how close you are. And my question is, does the world hate us? Hate you? And I think it more personal than just us. Does the world hate you? Does the world make fun and mock you? You know, if you believe the Bible, if you believe that the world was created 6,000 years ago, if you believe that God created the heavens and the earth and they did so in six days and rested on the seventh, you're an imbecile in the world's view. You're ignorant to believe in fairy tales. I was listening to another TV talk show, talk show host who's extremely uh, atheist, and he was talking about Christians praying to fairy tales in the sky. The world will make, they'll tolerate religion. But if you really say, hey, sin is wrong, and you've got to repent, and we're lost, and the only way to heaven is Jesus, and not everybody's going there, and, but you can. Because God so loved the world that he sent his son to go through a trial that you should have gone through and to pay a price that you should have paid. And that's the reason he died was because of you and me. And that's the only way you're going to get into heaven. He is the door. He's the gate. He's the good shepherd. And you say that, and you say that the God of the Bible is not the same as the God of the Muslims or the Buddhists or the Koran or any other religious book. It's not the same. Even not the same as that of Jehovah Witnesses or Mormons in their belief. And again, that's pushed now as being true Christianity, but Mormons believe that Jesus and the devil were brothers. Uh, Jehovah Witnesses don't believe that Jesus is the only son of God. I mean, it's, it's not the same. But when you say that, the world will hate you. When you believe that, I'm not talking about hating people. I'm not talking about being mean to people. You're trying to tell them your house is on fire. It's time to get out. You're in trouble. There's a way of escape. His name is Jesus. This is the way. And they say, no, I want to go this way. He said, but no, please. I'm telling you. The Bible says it's not just me. God says there's only one way. The world will hate you for that. but just how much does the world hate us? Are we taking a stand strongly on the word of God and following closely 
or are we following afar off? Oh, go to church. I'm a Christian. Yeah, I believe the Bible. But we don't ever take a stand. Jesus wasn't crucified and killed because he loved everybody. You understand that, right? That's not, again, in, in the grand scheme of things, Jesus came to die. It was said that he was going to die because he was coming to pay the price for sin. And I understand the devil is the one that put it in man's heart through sin and the religious leaders through sin to rebel against him and to arrest him and crucify him. I understand that. But their logical reasoning was, in large part, because he was going against what they wanted and what they believed and what they had been taught. And he was calling them whitewashed sepulchers. He was calling them hypocrites. He was calling them blind. He was telling them they're in sin. He was telling them they're not doing anything to help anybody. And that's why they got mad. And that's why they wanted to, we're going to lose our power. People are following him and his way. And they wanted to get rid of him. It wasn't because he was all lovey-dovey with everybody and healed everybody and fed everybody and did everything for everybody. Yes, he did those things. That wasn't why they wanted to kill him. They wanted to kill him because he didn't. He said, I'm the son of God. I am the only way. Sin is wrong. Remember, again, I'm, I'm going to get off on a tangent here, but the blind man that he heals, that had been blind from birth, and then he, Jesus leaves and the, the religious leaders say, hey, what are you doing? And, and, and Jesus healed me. Well, are you sure that he healed you? And they call in his parents. And his parents say, he's of age. Ask him. And at the very end, they leave him. They, they throw him out of the tabernacle or the temple there. And he's not allowed to come. And Jesus comes and finds him and says to him, what? I'm so sorry that they've done this to you. No. In fact, he says, and they ask him, who healed you? And he says, I don't know who it was. All I know is that I once was blind, and now I see. I don't know who he was, but he had to be from God. And they threw him out. And Jesus comes and says, I'm so sorry. No. And Jesus comes and says, don't sin anymore. Stop sinning. The, the woman who was caught in adultery, or at least said to be caught in adultery, and brought before Jesus and said, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. The law says that we're to stone her. What do you say? And Jesus says, whoever's without sin, you cast the first stone. Isn't that loving? Isn't that kind? And then they all leave. They drop their stones, and they leave. And he looks up, and the only person that's there is the woman. He said, that's the Jesus I love. But then Jesus says to her, where are your accusers? And she said, there are none. And he says, neither do I accuse you. Go and don't sin anymore. If we talk that way, if we live that way, the world will hate us. And by the way, not just will the world hate you, but the devil will attack you. You want to know how close you are to Jesus? How much are you being attacked by the devil? And I don't mean just by, you know, well, he won't let, I'm not able to get this thing over here, or I'm struggling with this thing over here. I mean literally spiritual attacks coming against you. The oppression of the devil coming against you. And not because God's 
trying to get your attention because you're not following him, but because the devil is trying to get you to stop following him. How close are we walking? How far off are we? All that sounds judgmental and like I'm attacking. I'm I'm not. I'm just asking the question. I hope that your answer and God's answer, if he were to answer now and say, this is where you're at, is, man, you're really, you're right there lockstep with me. I, I know that's certainly not always true of me. I want it to be. Most of the time, if I'm being honest, there's times that I'm like, man, I just really want to do my own thing here. And I get far off from Jesus. I can admit that as your pastor, as as ashamed as I am to admit that, that's true. But the wonderful thing is, is that we don't have to be far off. Now, I understand the context of what was going on, and I understand it's also setting the stage again, as I said, for Peter to to deny Christ. I I, I get all that. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. But I want you to understand this. Not only that there are signs of how close you are, but I want you to understand that there's a spirit that will enable you to be closer. Go back a few verses with me. Go back to verse... Forty-one. No, lost my place. Verse thirty-eight. They're praying in the garden. Jesus led them into the garden. This is after he instituted the, the the Lord's supper. They sing a hymn. They go to the garden. They pray. He leaves the other eight disciples kind of there at the entrance of the garden. He takes, again, Judas is not there. He takes Peter, James, and John a little farther in and says, watch here and pray. He goes on a little farther and he prays. And three different times, three different rounds of prayer, he prays. And he goes back the first time and they're sleeping and he says, come on, can't you pray with me an hour? And he rouses them up and watch and pray. And then he goes back and he prays again. He comes back again. They sleep again. Then he goes back and prays a third time, praying the same words. And if you want to go look in John, you'll find the prayer. Again, we see some of the part of the prayer is right here in these verses in verse 36. But if you want to read the whole prayer, you can actually go over to the book of John and you can find the prayer that he's praying for us. But verse 37, it says, He cometh and findeth them sleeping, and he saith unto Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Couldest thou not watch one hour? Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The Spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. Peter, you're far from me. 
he followed afar off, but Peter was already far off. But he was saying to him, the Spirit is ready and willing to draw you closer. The Spirit is ready and, and willing to bring you closer, to lead you closer. He's willing. He will help you. I know you're tired. I know it's hard. I, I know you don't quite get it. I know you're frustrated and, and you're discouraged. But the Spirit will help you. To walk closer. I heard someone in a little Bible, a little discussion fellowship group we have at breakfast, and guy came and, and he said some words that struck me. Is I believe I agree. I probably don't say it enough, but he talked about how the fact that the devil is on the attack, but we are the victors. We don't have to walk around defeated. The disciples were walking around defeated. They were struggling in their defeat. They were struggling with their tiredness. We get weary, but we don't have to be. God has already given us the victory. We're victors in Him. We're overcomers because of Him. And there's good news. We don't have to be the weary, wandering, straying, distant Christians that we often sometimes are. But the third thing, and I'm going to be done, is the distance in which we, listen, the, the, the world will tell us how close we are. The, the Spirit will enable us to be as close as we want to be. But three, the decision of how close you want to be in following Jesus is up to you. You say, well, preacher, we all grow at different rates. Yeah, I understand that. We spiritually mature at different rates. But there's one thing I know for sure. God, His Son, the Holy Spirit, wants you as close as you can possibly be in this life. Be filled, controlled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine where it is in excess. Don't be controlled by anything of the flesh, but be controlled by the Spirit. Live in the Spirit. Be like-minded with me and Walk in the Spirit. Walk close, not far. And so there's one thing that's for sure, is God wants you right there walking with Him. It's not a question of does God want me to be close to Him or not. It's not a question of does God want me to be as strong spiritually as I can be or not. That's not a question. The question is how much do you want it? How much are you willing to God let you have it or give it to you? The disciples in our Sunday school lesson this morning, increase our faith. Grow our faith. Is that our prayer? God, let me walk with you. I think even the way we say it sometimes is wrong. Now, I understand we may mean, let me be as close to you as I can be, but we even say, Jesus, walk with me today. We, we make it about us. Jesus, will you walk with me today? Jesus, stay close to me today. How about we stay close to him? You say, is there really any difference? Yes, there's a difference. The difference is where he is is where I need to be, not getting him to come to where I'm at. Yes, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. I get that. But my point is this. He's constantly saying, come on, let's go. Stay with me here. 
That's what he was saying to the disciples for three years. Stay with me, listen, understand, and they weren't. How close you want to be is up to you. Again, I'm not asking if you're a Christian. I mean, that's, 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 that is a question. But if I go under the assumption that you are, how close do you want to be? Or are you per- perfectly content to follow him afar off? You can be a Christian saved. Now listen, I think it's hard to do this because I think when we get saved, we're making him Lord and Master and he changes us. And I understand that's a process of him changing us. We're not changing the perfection overnight, nor will we be until we get to heaven. I get that. We're going to sin. We're going to struggle. We're going to stumble. And he's right there to pick us up. Peter, when he sank in the water and he called out to the Lord, immediately Jesus pulled him out. Of the water. There's a song I love that Lannan's taught me. And it says, it talks about the fact that we are dead. Physically, you may not be dead, but before you're saved, you are spiritually dead. And you're buried. And you're on your way to hell. And then the song says, but you called my name. And then he says, and I ran out of that grave. That's what he's done for you. Given you life. But you can be a Christian and not really following. Or you can be a Christian and you're following far off. But oh, how he wants us to say, God, increase our faith. Oh, how he wants us to say, God, draw me close. There's a verse that says, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. God, I want to be as close to you as I can. And when I'm as close to you as I can, you're going to be as close to me as is earthly, humanly possible. Are we far off? By, by the way, just to wrap this up, I, I, I want to hit this. G, Peter couldn't, remember, Peter was, faring, fo, was following afar off before we ever got to this place. Remember, he told Jesus, Jesus said, I'm going to die. And he said, no, don't you, don't you say that, Jesus. That's not what you're going to do. And Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan, to Peter. And then Peter is told, you're all going to abandon me. And Peter says, nope, not me. And then Peter couldn't even pray with him. And then Peter tried to cut off somebody's head. 
Because we get to where we're striving in our own strength to get to where Jesus is and to do what we think Jesus ought to be doing. But when we simply say, Jesus, just put me where you want me to be and as close to you as I can, then we're no longer striving in our own strength trying to swing a sword. We're no longer telling Jesus what he's trying to do is wrong. We're no longer saying, I just can't pray, God. I just don't have the strength. We're no, I'm, I'm too tired. We're following him lock, step, and barrel. And so we'll obey him, and so we'll pray to him, and we'll, 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 we'll listen to him, and we'll, give it, we'll be given understanding of what he's trying to do in our life. And even when we don't understand, when a person gets sick, or a person dies, or things don't go our way, or, or we're not seeing what we want to see, or we're not doing what we think we ought to, what we want to do, and we'll say, God, I don't understand, but I know that you do, because I'm right here with you, and where you are is where I want to be, not following afar off. but right there at your feet. What about you? What about me? Are we following, are we following afar off? Do we want to be close? Will we ask him to draw us close? Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would help us today, God, that you would guide us today, God, that you would draw us close to you today. Me, I'm talking about me. God, I struggle. God, I strive in my own strength. I get distracted by my own things. Make my agenda to be that of yours. Change my plans to be that of your will. God, don't let me follow far off. Don't let us. When we do, pick us up Dust us off and help us begin again. Just like you did with Peter. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Stand with me if you would. Maybe you're here today and you don't know the love of Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you can't follow Jesus because you don't know Jesus as your Savior, as your Lord. Won't you come today understanding just what he did and paying the price for you and for sin and that it's not because, listen, it's not, there's no hate that he has for you. He's done everything he can to pay the price for you. But he's also given you a free will to decide if you'll love him or not. He'll give you the ability. Maybe you're here today and you don't know him. Maybe you're here today and you're not following him at all. I got saved. I, I, I know I'm saved and I come to church and 
at least on occasion, and I read my Bible at least on occasion, but I'm not really following. I don't even know where to go. Won't you come just deal with him? He's not going to beat you up about it. He's going to dust you off and pick you up and say, come on, let's go again. Maybe you are following him. Are you afar off? Are you as close as you want to be, need to be? If not, won't you come and deal with him? Are you walking as close as you possibly can? Then just come and ask him to keep you in that place and thank him for the fact that he's drawn you to that place and that he's given you the faith and the strength to endure to be in that place. There's something for everybody to come to him and deal with him. Let him deal with you. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Zella just plays something softly. You come if you need to come. If I can pray with you, I will. If I can talk with you, I will. But you come as Ella plays. Or Lucas plays. I'm sorry, Lucas is playing this morning. We thank you for listening to this message from the Word of God. At Pleasant Hill, we desire to be a help and a blessing to you. If you have any questions or prayer requests, or if we can be a help to you in your walk with God, we invite you to contact us here at Pleasant Hill by visiting our website at phbc.online. Thank you, and may God bless you. Oh